Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Nets, your daily podcast on the Brooklyn Nets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Keep the trump blasting, toe tagging, I'm riding past them. Before you let them ride with the team, you got to ask them. Who got snaps on the Petro? Keep it real, keep it real, don't front, yo. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Nets podcast, your daily dose of Brooklyn Nets news, analysis, and interviews. I'm your host, David Wurzberger. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, sorry for not having an episode for you guys yesterday. It was a high holiday, so we took the day off, but we're back. And with a bang today, we have on Robin Lundberg, and you might know him from ESPN Radio. If you're in the New York area, he uh, he's on a couple of shows there. Great guy, really knows his stuff. So he's going to come on, talk some Brooklyn Nets basketball. But before we get to that, let's handle some quick business. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us out, helps the podcast get bigger and better. If you'd like to sponsor the Locked On Nets podcast, you can email us, lockedonnets at gmail.com. Finally, submit your fan questions. We're happy to answer them on the air. So you could tweet those to Locked On Nets at, on Twitter. That's at Locked On Nets, or the email was Locked On Nets at gmail.com. Now, our interview with Robin Lumberg. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Joining me now on the Locked On Nets podcast, Robin Lumberg of ESPN Radio. Great personality, really knows this stuff. Robin, thanks for coming on, man. No problem. What's going on? I just felt like talking some Brooklyn basketball, man, and uh, you're obviously familiar with the team. Uh, But before we get to the Nets and the preseason, I wanted to ask you because I feel like any person that, that has talked about sports with their friends at one point has imagined themselves as a, a radio host of some kind talking about sports at some point. So I wanted to ask you, just how did you get into this to the point where you're on ESPN radio, you, you've got thousands upon thousands of fans listening to you every day? Long story short, I, I guess I always thought I wanted to get into maybe sports entertainment and stuff like that. So I went to the University of Maryland, and I thought my best uh, course of business would be to major in journalism there, which I did. And I wound up working my way up the radio ladder there to be the um, play-by-play guy for the basketball team and all that. But I started doing field hockey. I had to learn the rules of some sports to call games. And that led to an internship, I guess it looked good on my resume, with Around the Horn, which led to my first job out of college. So it, it sounded like this, this great progression, but it didn't really work out that way. I had to bartend and wait tables and stuff and, and for about a year and a half. Then I got my way back to ESPN Radio, but I was behind the scenes, and I had to work my way um, from one room to the other room, you know, from the production room to the talent room, um, and sort of just kept plugging away and, and got to where I'm at now. So it's not exactly a linear path, but I had an idea of what I wanted to do, and I just kind of kept my head up and, and kept plugging away at it. Oh, uh, thanks. Sorry, my family's yelling right now. Uh, <laughs> so... 
let me ask. You talk to Nets fans. They call into your show, and you talk to Nets fans. They ask questions, things like that. So I'm curious. You you, you, see, you should have a, a pretty good knowledge on where they are right now as far as expectations and thoughts coming into the season. The Nets fan base right now in general, what do they expect out of this season? Do they have any doubts about this regime change and what to expect from Brooklyn? Well, let's start with the most important thing. The regime change, I think, is the most important thing. Look, the, the Nets... The previous regime put them in a hole, and, and I thought when they needed to hire somebody else, they needed somebody who was willing to sort of emerge from the bomb shelter and rebuild civilization, if you will, right? <laughs> and they got those hires right, I, I believe. I mean, who knows? But from what I've seen with, from Kenny Atkinson and, and Sean Marks especially, I think they got the management right. And that's second to a franchise-changing caliber player. I think the most important thing there is. So I think they've got guys who have the right approach, know that this is, is not a, you know, an overnight sort of fix. And that's the thing that Nets fans should take the, the most solace in. As far as this year's team, everybody knows they're not going to be that good. Um, the, the draft pick, though, is a sunk cost, so who cares where you wind up. What I do think they'll be able to do this year is put out a respectable product. I, I think they got guys who know how to play within the system. I think they got guys who will play hard. So I, I, you know, if I was taking their over/under on win totals, I'd take the over. But I, I don't think you know the Nets are going to make any noise, of course. But what you're looking for is a respectable product out on the floor and um, management with a vision of the future, and hopefully that's what they have. Yeah, it, it's. I feel like anyone close to the NBA that really follows it truly believes the Nets are on the right path here, especially with the hires of Atkinson and Sean Marks, and just what they've been able to accomplish in just a short period of time. And the Nets, Nets fans being able to be patient, understanding that this team isn't going to win right now, that's important to, to help uh, let those two do their jobs without ownership stepping in or, or any other outside factors limiting them. And, you know, have you managed to watch them at all uh, during the preseason? I saw the, the first preseason game, um, uh, a good chunk of the first preseason game. Okay, so let's say just in general, maybe from the offseason till now, are there any pleasant surprises uh, for you in regards to this team? Well, I, I like their approach in the offseason, actually. I mean, the offer sheets that they signed Crab to and Tyler Johnson to, even though those guys didn't sign, I thought that was an indication that they had the right mindset. And I, um, I'm higher on Jeremy Lin than a lot of people are. Uh, you know, I, I'm sort of pegged as uh, a Lin defender or a Lin fan or whatever have you. Uh, let's let's let me do the quick origin story. I, I was covering the Knicks very closely when Linsanity happened, and the night uh, of Linsanity, the first game against the Nets, actually, I had just flown back from the Super Bowl. I was out in I think it was in Indy that year, and flown back to, to the Super Bowl to do a Knicks pregame show. And I was standing next to Dan D'Antoni when he walked up to Jeremy Lin and, and he told him, um, you know, be ready, you might get your your shot tonight. So I have a little bit of a personal attachment there in that regard. But it's not really about that. I think Lynn is better than people give him credit for. And I think the last couple of years he hasn't been able to play his game very much, which may in the long run have helped him in a sense because he had to wear different hats and and, um, learn different roles. So I actually think he became a better all-around player, which you saw saw in Charlotte last year doing a bit of a a jack-of-all-trades role. But I've always wondered if someone put the ball in his hands and let him run the team and, and run a lot of high pick and rolls, if he could 
replicate, let me not say insanity, but put up numbers that'll make people be taken aback a little bit. And I think he's capable of doing that if the spacing on the floor is right. He can really attack the basket. Um, he worked on his shot in the offseason. So I think you might see an all-star caliber season from, from Jeremy Lin this year. Yeah, I was about to, he was exactly what was next for me on my list of questions for you because uh, you, you've been fighting off uh, Jeremy Lin detractors for a while now. And, you know, everything you're saying makes a lot of sense. And I had the same exact debate, uh, I think my first ever episode on Locked on Nets. And it's a sort of little divide with Jeremy Lin coming into the season because, you know, you have this this take that, and it's well-reasoned. It's that, you know, the past few teams he's been on, he hasn't been in the right situation for him. This is much more suited to his game. You know, he's a good point guard at the end of the day, so he should really succeed. I'm, I think I'm more in the middle. I don't think he's going to be a, a bust this season or, or be bad by any means. Uh, but I don't think we're going to see extraordinary play. Uh, nothing too special. I don't think his efficiency is going to take a real big jump. And the reason is for me is, first of all, he's going to, for me, he's going to have to do it on both ends, right? Defensively, there was nothing really good to say about Jeremy Lin until he was in Charlotte, where he improved a lot last year. But him playing out this whole season, he's going to have to do really well on both ends when you look at the guys around him, right? On offense, he's going to have to be the secondary scorer. On defense, you know, defending point guards now in the league is, is such a tough job. I'm wondering if that'll tire him out come the second half of the season or anything like that. And, and defenses, I feel like, are going to have a pretty good time if they can just trap Jeremy Lin on those pick and rolls he likes and make the other nets create. Because you look down the list of the roster and you think, well, is Randy Foy going to be able to make a play out of that? Is Trevor Booker, is Sean Kilpatrick, is Ronda Hollister? You know, you, you get my point. Sure. Yeah, I, I think that's valid. I mean, that's the game plan. And I, I think opposing coaches have more respect for Jeremy Lin than maybe the, the fans of other teams do. And if you saw it in the, the playoffs, Miami went to a heavy trapping defense on him because he kept getting into the lane. The, the thing with him is there's always a lot of noise around him because he has, um, due to his background, a, a, lot of, a lot of fans who are very loyal. Sometimes some of them can be a, a, a little crazy. Some of them are just... <laughs> Loyal fans. He also has scorned Knicks fans who want to blame him for leaving or, or whatever. And then you have people who have a backlash to the overexposure. And the people who aren't watching from afar, or aren't watching closely, I'm sorry, and are watching from afar, don't realize when he went to Houston, he was supposed to have the ball there, and then Harden came over. And when he went to the Lakers, no one was going to mesh well with Kobe there. I think the most important thing for his game with the Nets in regards to what you were saying is just the, the jump shot and playing off the ball a little bit because he can play two positions. He's bigger than, than people um, realize, and he can guard the one and he can guard the two, and he can play the one and play the two offensively. And I think the two things that people don't realize the most about him are that, that he's bigger and, and stronger, and that he's fast. And, and if he can get the ball and get out in transition, that's probably their, their, best, um, their best offense uh, is for him to, to rebound and take it himself. That's uh, you know how he could make a guy like Landry Fields and Steve Novak and, and those guys look good in New York because end-to-end, he's as fast as anybody in the league. I mean, like John Wall type of speed. Yeah, it, it's this Nets offense isn't going anywhere without him. I think that's fair to say. But, and one thing that's been brought up before that I think is maybe the key to his season is just that there aren't going to be really any expectations, right? You look at this Nets team, they're not gunning for the playoffs. 
he, you know, Jeremy Lin's not the savior or anything like that. He's just a guy the Nets picked up, and I think that's going to be important to him. But let me ask you this question. If he peeks out and does something that, you know, beyond what you even think he's going to do this season, like he has a legitimate all-star season, he's just fantastic out there, should the Nets look to trade him? Because by the end of this contract, I think he has a three-year contract. He should be, like, right at 30. And we don't know where the Nets will be in that rebuilding process. And they are hunting down assets and first-round picks, things like that, for the future. So would you consider trading him if he had such a great season like that? I don't think so, because I think if he does, you're going to get um, a fan base excited that the Nets haven't really been able to do, because he offers a unique insight to a different market, right? Um, so if people start getting excited about the Nets because of his play and, and the tension gets drawn there, plus the casual New York fans who know, knew him before, I don't think you really want to do that to the fan base. The guy who I've been a proponent of trying to build up and trade for a while is Brooke Lopez. Yeah. And that's, that's something who their fit together is interesting to me because it's not exactly perfect. You know, Lynn works well with rim divers, and, and Lopez isn't quick enough to, in the screen and roll game, finish on the lob. So I think what's going to be key is how well he finishes those little, like, 8 to 10-foot floating shots he'll get out of the pick and roll and how well he shoots the ball on the the pick and pop. Uh, And I know Lopez has been around with the Nets for a while, but if I was looking to flip one of the players on the team, Brooke Lopez would be the guy I'd try to build up value-wise and and do that with. Yeah, I'm not sure he makes it uh, past the trade deadline this season, but if Lynn does have a great season, and I'm not, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's, It's just not. He's good enough to to really break out this year. I think a couple of things become really awesome with that situation. And first of all, just the value. He, the Nets got him pretty cheaply. You got to realize they, they got him like under market value. And other free agents will look at that and see an, a player that sort of stepped his game up and did better under Atkinson and think, hey, I can go do that and then earn a bigger contract and it'll be great for my career. Let me ask you this. Um, what's one thing, and the Nets, <laughs> it's funny because just like five minutes before we started recording, there was a funny uh, Shaq and a Fool clip, Anthony Bennett was like recording some, some plug for the show, and he said offhand, or I, I don't know what the situation was, but he said, I'm Anthony Bennett of the Brooklyn Nets, don't watch us play this year. <laughs> so, for for the casual fan, or just for you, a basketball observer, outside of Jeremy Lin, what, what's one thing you really want to follow with this Nets team, even though it's not going to be a team that wins a whole lot of games? I mean, that's a tough one. Uh, maybe see what Rondé Hollis Jefferson can do. You know, how does he develop? Can he develop a jump shot? And maybe a, let me go back to what you said about Atkinson. How does he develop players? Can they develop guys who maybe you didn't realize had more ability than – um, had been put on display before because that's one thing a lot of players have credited Atkinson for. Al Horford is one. Um, there, there's a bunch of guys who've said that about him. So maybe they're able to discover some of those diamond and the, the rough players because I think the, the real storylines you're looking for with the Nets, if you're being realistic, is how is management doing? What's their, their long-term plan? You know, what kind of moves are they going to make? Like you said, maybe trading Lopez at the, the trade deadline. And then I don't think it was, um, you know, on accident that Lynn's the guy they brought in because not only is he a good player who has a chance to elevate the team, but he's a guy that can generate at least some interest in the short term. Because if you watch that team last year, I mean, there was just no reason 
to, to watch the, the Nets a year ago. There was really nothing that stood out about that team. I think the, the difference between last year and this year is you might have a bad team, but you think you have a bad team with, with some sort of future, and you have a bad team that might have a little bit more of excitement within the, the games. Yeah, I completely agree. The development's going to be re- really fun to watch, and you said it yourself. I mean, Atkinson, he's known for a player development guy. That, that's how everyone talks of him. And one more question, because I know you got to go. How long until the Nets are back in the playoffs? I'm going to hold you to a hot take here, at least one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 2018, the 2017-18 season. When did they get their draft pick back? <laughs> <laughs> that's, I think that's 2019, yeah. So, not this year, obviously. Uh, I don't think next year is out of the realm of possibilities. I wow. Mean, but I will, I'll say, is that what you said, 2018, three years from now? So that's, that's, I, I yeah, three years. That's, I mean, I think that's the reasonable way to look at it. I would say if, I were, if you maybe place a bet, I would say 2018 is probably a good bet. All right, Robin, thank you very much for taking the time out, man. Where can people find you? Um, you can uh, check me out on Twitter for all the announcements and stuff, which is at Robin Lundberg on Twitter. And then, of course, Monday through Friday on ESPN Radio, I do a show called First and Last with Mike Golick Jr., which is before Mike and Mike in the morning, or you can download the podcast on the ESPN app or iTunes. And I do a solo show on, on Saturday nights on ESPN Radio as well. Guys, before I even started writing podcasting, whatever, I was calling into this guy's show. you got to check him out. Robin, thanks again for coming on, man. You got it. Take it easy, dude. Have a good one. And thanks for listening to the Locked On Nets podcast. Be sure to come back tomorrow. We'll be talking about a Thursday night's game. And if you enjoyed it, please consider leaving a five-star rating on iTunes. Thanks a lot. Let me get it one time. Keep it real, don't fake the funk. Let me see them hands high. Fake the